Hello and welcome to the latest Q&A in the Full and Focus series. My name's Danny Boy and it's an honour to say joining me today to talk about his roller coaster of a Fulham career is a man who made 420 appearances, scoring 56 goals and gaining three promotions en route to the Premier League. I am of course talking about Mr Fulham himself, the legendary Simon Morgan. Simon, it's an honour to speak to you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me on. Well, it was an honour to meet you at the, the book launch and it's even more of an honour to, to have this opportunity to speak to you about your Fulham career. You've done so much for Fulham, so I've got so much to ask you. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's good to meet you. Uh, great evening, uh, very Fulham evening, celebrating David Lloyd and all he's done with the fanzine for the club. So great to meet so many uh, Fulham fans there. And uh, please fire away, ask me anything. All right, nice one. All right, so, well, we'll start off with you personally. I know you're a, a big Brummy fan, born and bred from Birmingham. Who was your hero growing up? Yeah, I am a big uh, Blue Nose, uh, born and bred. Trevor Francis is the reason, or is to blame, for why I'm a Birmingham fan. Um, in the early 70s, he was the uh, the darling of uh, Birmingham uh, and of St Andrews, so... And my uncle used to take me, so I uh, used to go every every home game to the Blues, and they had a decent side in them days. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the reason, and um, we've I've suffered all along ever since, apart from one fabulous day when we won the uh, League Cup in 2011. But it's been fun. Yeah, I remember that, when you beat Arsenal. Penny Martin scored the, uh, the winner in the last minute. That was a great day. But um, Fulham fans do have to forgive me, because I did support the Blues on the last day of last season yeah when, uh, yeah got Fulham going up <laughs> but that that was your plan all along for for Birmingham to to win and, and stay up and Fulham to win the uh, playoffs yeah and the little matter that you beat Aston Villa in the final obviously made just that little bit sweeter <laughs> yeah it certainly did so how did you get your first opportunity in football so um, I grew up playing grassroots football in Birmingham and the uh, the team I played for, Dunlop Terriers, had a link with Leicester City. So, having gone for trials at the likes of Birmingham, Villa, West Brom, and been uh, rejected, uh, got a chance at Leicester, and they took me on the first year of uh, Maggie Thatcher's YTS scheme, actually. So, I was fortunate to get a, a chance, thanks to, to Maggie Thatcher, and uh, didn't look back. Had a great few years there, and then... Um, had a knee injury, things started to, to go downhill a bit, uh, got myself fit and then uh, Fulham came in, bought, uh, bought two central defenders with dodgy knees at the same time, me and Stacey North, and uh, never looked back. Yeah, 100 grand, wasn't it? What a bargain, hey? Oh. <laughs> don't get, don't get value it. for money like that anymore. <laughs> uh, well, it's a big decision to move down to South at the time, but um, that was 1990 and I'm still living down here, so must have done something right. Well, it's been quite a roller coaster for Fulham, you know, especially when you joined, it was quite a mess. What would you say the, the mentality was like of the football club when you first joined? Well, actually, the mentality was, was quite good because I think, although the team had been struggling for a few years, they felt that with myself, Mark Newson had come in, Stacey North had come in, Gary Brazil, so they'd actually spent some money on players, and I think it's a fairly good feeling, but... Just didn't gel. Um, dare I point the finger at, um, at the management side of it? Um, Alan Dix didn't, you know, couldn't gel the team together. And it really, it, it was years of struggle until first Ian Brandfoot and then Mickey Adams sort of got the mentality right in the dressing room, and, uh, and we started winning. But at the time, obviously, the stadium was dilapidated and a bit tired. Crowds were low, so it, you always felt like you were you were struggling, even though. On paper, actually, we we had quite a decent team. And and, and in those like those early years, especially when you first joined, like you said, the ground was, was a bit tired and and it weren't going to plan. Did you kind of regret coming to Fulham? No, no, because I was playing. Um, it it been made fairly clear to me at Leicester by David Pleat uh, that I wouldn't get my place back there. I've been out for probably about eight ten months with a knee injury. So Fulham actually took a bit of a chance because I hadn't played any first-team football for that long. So that, that was all I wanted to do. 
And again, on a personal level, you know, Stacey was there, Glenn Thomas, Jeff Eckhart, we, we did actually have quite a decent defence. Problems tended to be at the other end, trying to score goals. And what was Alan Dix like as a manager? How would you describe your relationship with him? Well, he was a lovely fella. And I actually had a, a decent relationship with him. <laughs> probably the best way of looking at it is he's probably a bit of a tourist to London because he would always talk about the, the fantastic things he'd done with his new American wife in London and he's always going and visiting places, um, which is great off the field. But on the field, I don't think he really had the discipline or the ability to, to sort of get a, a fairly new group of players and hone them into a squad that was capable of getting results on the pitch. And I think in the end, the board realised that and had moved him on. And you was quoted as saying in the second season that we blew it, basically, because we just missed out on the playoffs by four points. Did you feel that that squad was good enough to go up then? Yeah, I think that comes back to my point. If you look on paper, I mean, we had Jim in goal, we had a, a good set of defenders. Um, what we probably lacked, we had Gary, Sean Farrell at, at times, but we never seemed to have a, a really set, fit, attacking trio or quartet that, that could get us enough goals. And, uh, and then I think, unfortunately, that, that cost us. But, yeah, if, if you look at the team now, as we did a couple of years later, I think we, uh, we realised we underperformed. And that team was capable. That team was capable of getting out of the division the right way rather than what eventually happened and going out of the division the wrong way. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what happened. But um, before, before that did happen, we had Don Mackay. How would you describe him? Was he an improvement on, on Alan Dix? Um, yeah, again, I, I got on all right with, with Don and we had came in, a bit of a breath of fresh air and we, you know, we, we had decent results. But again, it was, I know it's just around the, the discipline, the culture of the, the whole squad, putting in place a, a style of play that would not only win us games, but would stop us losing games. And unfortunately, we, we went down, I think, with a record number of points in typical Fulham style. Again, that team should never have been in the danger that, that we ended up in and, and going down ultimately. That was really disappointing. Um, Ian Branford came in, basically new broom, discipline, start again. Um, we did get the feeling we bottomed out. Um, but unfortunately, by this stage, the, I mean, the money had run out as well. So we had to depend on a lot of youngsters in the squad. So... Actually, at the, the one time when we could really have done with some some money um, and some, some good players, and we had a manager to, to gel us all together, we didn't actually have the squad that was good enough to uh, to, to perform to a high enough level. But we, we got close to the playoffs, I think, in Ian's first year. Um, we had a good run right after Christmas, uh, got close. But um, again, we I think Mickey Conroy didn't quite fire that season, goal-scoring-wise, and we suffered a little bit at the end. Um, Obviously, falling to 91st out of 92 in the uh, in the league the following season really was a case of bottoming out. And um, I think Ian felt he'd done everything he could. He'd worked unbelievably hard to not only just get the trying to get the playing squad back on keel, but the club on an even keel as well. I think it took its toll on him. And um, obviously, Mickey took over, and the rest is history, as they say. It certainly is. But b- before we get on to the good days, obviously. 91st is, is the lowest Fulham have ever been. How did it feel being in 91st? Did it feel real? It was, did you feel the pressure at the time? What, what was the, the mood like around the club? Well, it wasn't great, obviously. Um, and thanks for reminding me of all the bad times. Um, <laughs> you got, you got, I'll pick you up in a minute, but you've got, you got to remember the bad ones to oh, appreciate the good ones. All right, we'll go through the bad stuff. We, we, did, we were struggling. It was no lack of effort, believe me. But the, the more we tried, I mean, I can remember, I think it was Boxing Day game at the Cottage, and um, Mark Blake scored a last-minute own goal. We lost at home to 10 men against someone, I think. And we'd, we'd all put a shift in, we'd given everything. I think, I think we'd hit the bar, we'd hit the post, and it was just one of them days when it was just not meant to be. And I think we got the feeling the whole world was against us at the time. Um, when you do that, you go into a defensive mode yourself, and you, you stop going out on the pitch and... Instead of trying to show everyone how good you are and win a game, you, you do everything to negatively stop the other team. You don't really get a, a proper performance out of individuals or the team. I think that's where we'd ended up. And um, in the end, a change of voice in terms of manager was the, was the thing that was needed. 
Yeah, so Mickey comes in. Uh, would you say that the promotion under Mickey was solely down to his management, or do you think Ian Bramford played a big part in laying the foundations? Oh, massive. Massive. Played a massive part in laying those foundations. You know, the club needed to go through that 18 months or ever long with under Ian to, to bottom out and to, to start pushing on. So I will always give a lot of credit to Ian for what he did, mentality-wise as much as anything. And then Mickey obviously has got to come in and and take a bit of the credit. And obviously the players take a huge part of the credit. And the yeah. captain especially. <laughs> well, I mean, when Mickey was appointed, was it a shock appointment for you or was it on the cards from the season before? Well, Mickey had been brought in as a player coach. So he was always... Players thought of him as, as one of them on the other side as part of the management team. So... He was always sort of separate to the players, if you like, in a good way. Um, but he was the link between the manager and the, and the players. And I think, I think we drew at home to Hartlepool. And again, we, it's a game we should have won. We were 2-0 off. And I think we, Hartlepool ended up getting a draw. This is what I remember anyway. And, and after that game, Ian just looked absolutely shocked and, you know, as if he couldn't do any more. And so we knew something then was in the offing and that it was always likely that Mickey would step up. And I think both before the next game, Mickey had come in with Corky, brought in new voice, fresh ideas, and just tried to try to put a bit of enthusiasm and, and energy back into the lads to, to get through the season and safe. And that's, that's what he managed to do. And, and how would you describe Mickey Adams and, and Cork's relationship? Was it like good cop, bad cop? That's what they'll tell you. I'm not allowed to swear on this. Am I? So, uh, I better be careful. But listen, they were great. First of all, they got the, the dressing room laughing again. That was it. That was the key thing. Certainly, that's Corky's role in the, the first few months because he's, he's that sort of person. He's got that sort of personality, and that was important. Um, took our mind off things a little bit and got us a bit more relaxed. Then, as soon as you get a couple of results, then the, the league table takes care of itself, and then. Mickey and Corky could start thinking about the season after. And then when you win a game, they start thinking, you know, they're Jose Mourinho, uh, thinking they're the best managers in the world. And then they try and take you to the next step as players. So it's, it's just really interesting, the, the involvement over that few months at the end of that season that will always be remembered as the one we got 91st in. But on the other hand, was the, was the catalyst to everything that's happened since. I mean... <laughs> We, we were the ones who got the club in that uh, in the first place, so we had to do something about it. That's a bit harsh. The club that, was struggling. That's the history of it, isn't it? So w- what we've done, what we did was, you know, thanks to, to Mickey's managership and, and what Ian had done, sorted ourselves out to, to stay up. And then it was Euro 96, and suddenly football had a smile on its face again. And you turn up the first game of the next season with some new players, new energy in the squad, new manager, and a real change of atmosphere on the terraces, which was noticeable. The historians at Fulham will be able to tell me exactly how many were there, but on that first day of the season against Hereford, it just felt different. Um, atmosphere in the ground was different. It was just like a, a new chapter. And, um, you know, for me, the, the fans will always take credit from what happened as well, because I think there was definitely a change of mindset in them as well after going through some horrible years of failure prior to that. Well, it was, just, it was a fresh start for everybody, wasn't it? It felt like it, and that first game of the season, sunshine, we won, people were smiling, we had a new team, which was sort of had something to prove, a lot of free transfers, a lot of players who'd never played in the league before, but we had, we had energy, we had personality in the team, and um, a lot of effort, but uh, we will never claim to be the most skillful in the club's history, believe me. No, but you was a proper team, wasn't you? I mean, you had each other's backs. Everybody was in it together. Definitely. And I think that's, again, where Mickey takes credit. Cause he brought the likes of Mark Walton in, Glenn Cockrell, who were team men. And the ethos and culture of the squad changed because, you know, previously when, when you have a setback and a defeat and, you know, your head would be down uh, or you'd sit apart and you wouldn't talk. Um, this time it's very much we're all in this together. We've just lost. Right, we're gonna we're gonna bounce back the next game. Get on the coach on the way home, have a beer, have a sing song, and be ready to go for for the following week. So it was very much a 
a change of mindset, a change of culture, uh, and very, very enjoyable. What was your relationship like with Mickey Adams? <laughs> Up and down. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's, he's got small man syndrome, and um, I'm quite opinionated at times, as everyone will know. So, um, listen, the best thing is, for me, uh, Mickey didn't hide anything, so it was out on the table straight away if, uh, if he wasn't happy on something. And we'd have that sort of relationship, you know, and um, keep in touch with him now. And we still do work together. So it's uh, it's that sort of relationship where we'll we'll talk football till till the um, you know till midnight and beyond, and um, we'll have a beer. But he's a he's a good man. Did great things for this football club, uh, and he did it his way. So it was a very special year. And and it was a special year that you potentially almost missed because. How close was you to joining Gillingham before the season started? Well, there was never actually a, an offer made. I mean, those first five or six years, there were various times when I think clubs had come in, but um, there was never a, well, as far as I'm aware, there was never an official offer made, so um, perhaps not as close as those rumours suggest. Oh, good. So your head was never turned. Don't believe what Mickey says. My head was never turned. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. Well, what was your highlight of that promotion season under Mickey? If, oh, you, had to pick, if you had to pick one. Got some good questions here, haven't you? Um, uh, you know, not bad. I've done, I've done my research here. <sighs> you are, you have. Um, <laughs> probably one moment, hairs on the back of the neck, um, is Carlisle away. Um, before the game. Just standing, you, you come down the stairs in the tunnel at Carlisle and and then sort of you wait before you go out onto the pitch. And obviously the Fulham fans had gone up there in unbelievable numbers and were, were making it a day out. Big crowds, the PA was blaring. We stood in the tunnel, wait to go out on the pitch. And, you know, I had 10 guys behind me who were totally up for the game, very confident, and were making a lot of noise. And it sort of made our guys about foot taller and the Carlisle guys about foot shorter. And you just felt going out that whatever happened, we weren't going to lose that game. And so it proved, and it's um, it's a very special feeling when you've got that that feeling of, of your team and about your teammates. So uh, obviously we won the game. Typical Fulham style, we missed out on the title by uh, by a change of rule by our own chairman. Um, yeah, but that happens. Um, typically Fulham, but um, just a fantastic season, brilliant. You touched on the goal difference. Do you feel yeah. a bit of resentment looking back now that you haven't got a winner's medal for that? Because it really is a bit of a liberty. No, no resentment at all. Um, that was uh, you, you play the competition to the rules, what the rules are, and the rules that season were that you know we, we eventually just missed out. So we we did know the rules all the way through the season. We were aware of it. We had no idea that it would come down to that at the end. We just tried to get as many points as we possibly could. And we, in the end, I think we, um, you know, we, we we dropped a few points in the last couple of games, having already secured promotion that probably cost us in the end. So, um, you know, we, we would have loved to have celebrated at Cambridge with the, the trophy, believe me, but it wasn't to be. Typical Fulham, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Being at the club for so long, how did it feel to finally get that promotion? Oh, brilliant! It's best best thing when you succeed. When you, you reach a goal that you've been going for, whether it's championship promotion or whatever, even staying up to a certain extent, but um, to win promotion was um, was a great feeling and just a fantastic time um, with the fans, the family, uh, the players, the squad. You just completely what you what you aimed for. So uh, just brilliant. Very difficult to describe. We celebrated long and hard, put it that way. <laughs> I bet you did. Well, I hope you did anyway. You deserve it. We did. <laughs> well, the, the good times would last a long time for, for the club, but sadly, Mickey's time at the club was short-lived after promotion. What was the dressing room like when he was sacked? You know, was it, was, was it a divided dressing room between the new players and the old? Well, he brought a few new players in. Um, but even those that come in, I think Mickey Mickey knew the you know what what was going on, uh, and that a new a new chairman, um, a very ambitious chairman would would want his own man. The players knew that, 
Um, the new players coming in knew that as well. So I think at the time, obviously, everyone was was, was very disappointed. We'd heard the rumours of what was happening and then, you know, Mickey had gone and then the new management came in. And I think we're probably looking back now, the only disappointing thing was, you know, the new management talking to the to the players said, right, you know, you, you're not allowed any contact with the, the previous manager. And, I mean, that, that was just really disappointing because what we did, we all left the training ground and we went, went down and saw Corky and Mickey. So that's, you know, that was always going to happen. So I think that created a bit of resentment initially. But the best thing that happened was Chris Coleman being signed because he had, obviously he'd been um, an apprentice at Swansea. He knew sort of both ends of the scale, if you like, football at the lower divisions and the top division. And he treated everyone the same and brought brought the two disparate functions together, if you like. You had the, the new signings and then you had the, the old guard who were moved out the door regularly and quite quickly. Um, but Chris played a massive, massive role in, in keeping the, the sort of dressing room together and getting us into a place where we, I think we made the playoffs, nearly actually got promoted. Yeah, we missed yeah. that against Grimsby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, our forwards decided to Pesky Soliday. cards, yeah, <laughs> both games, so that wasn't great. But, um, yeah, and then, you know, with Ray going, things calmed down a little bit then um, for, for the following season. And it was it was a fairly straightforward um, promotion campaign that um, finally and thankfully ended up with a trophy this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was your relationship like with Ray Wilkins when he came in? How did you find him as a manager? Uh, Ray's a lovely fella, a, a great fella, but you, you have to remember it was a difficult situation for him because uh, he's the man going into Mickey's hot seat. Mickey was very popular. Ray, um, obviously, was former Chelsea, former QPR. So um, I don't think the, the fans sort of took to him particularly warmly. Um, so it was a difficult situation for him, but he is a lovely fella and he, he wanted the team to play football. The, the training was good. And we did actually get the results to, to get up into the into the playoff positions, but obviously the hierarchy that wasn't enough for the hierarchy, and, and Kevin wanted you know full full control of the team, so uh, he decided to to move Ray on. But um, all the all the lads respected him, got on well with him, um, and enjoyed being part of his team. Well, I mean, as you say, like being in the playoffs and, and missing out wasn't good enough in the first season, so. The standards were set very high by um, Alfired. And not many, well, actually, none of your teammates from, from that original promotion survived to be promoted with Keegan. Only yourself, really. Did you believe at the beginning that when, when the changeover was made that you would survive? That was the feeling that, that sort of the, the old guard got in the dressing room that you know, they, they moved a few on really quickly. Signed a few, so that you could tell which way the, the you know, the, which way they were going. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know, that we, I got injured uh, as well, which didn't help as ever. And we used to have a bomb squad on a Friday afternoon that used to go down the old BT, down the pub, and have a few beers and game of darts and play pool. And I think the feeling was there that our days were numbered. Um, but you know, you get, got my head right, got fit, and then took it from there. And, I think I played. I played in the two Grimsby playoff games, uh, and then thought, right over the summer, I'll, I'll come back, give it a go, and I get here. I think it's a lot of credit down to Frank Sibley because he was coach, and I think it, he did a lot of lobbying with Kevin for us to play the three at the back, which seemed to suit us. And obviously, that mean I could have, I could get in alongside Chris and Kit, because if if we hadn't played the three at the back, you know, I, I wouldn't have played. So, but three at the back suited us, and we did well, and we kept a lot of clean sheets, scored a few goals from set pieces, and and won the league fairly comfortably. And was you happy to give up the armband for Cookie? Uh, well, it went to Brace first of all. So again, I, I think um, you know that that was always going to happen. Um, I mean, been told in the toilets at Watford by Ray wasn't perhaps the best place to do it before a game but um, I, I think it was always going to happen and I, 
I do know that, that when Cookie took the, the armband, um, everybody, and I mean everybody in the dressing room, was totally, fully, 100% behind him. Because um, he, he had really rallied and brought the, the dressing room together. Can't give him enough credit for, for the way he did that. Obviously with, with Kit as well. Uh, Kit called him the plastic captain because sort of Chris wore the armband and, and Kit did all the work behind the scenes. But um, they worked really well together. Uh, players loved it and we got the results on the pitch. And one goal that that will stand out in the in the Morgan household forever will be on Villa territory scoring the winning goal. How did that feel as a Birmingham fan to to go to Villa and to score such a bullet header? Obviously, it felt great. It was just a great day for, for Fulham. Um, God knows how many tickets we sold, but uh, a lot. Um, and then I'd been injured again just previously, so I wouldn't, wasn't sure whether I was going to play. Um, I did. He, he did name me in the team. And then half an hour before the game started, he's brought Philip Albert into the dressing room and sort of presented him as a new signer. So, I mean, again, Chris and Cookie were killing themselves laughing. Says Morgs, that's you gone next week. And um, so I just probably went out and played with a bit of freedom, actually. Um, scored, we won, had a great night. And um, in the end, he played Philip Albert in midfield, I think, for a few games. So uh, things weren't too bad. Well, Philip Albert has to make do when you got Morgan in the team, didn't he? Well, it was, uh, it was a bit of a sign of the way things were going. So, uh, but that was a, that was a very special. That, until then, I've had a terrible record in the FA Cup. You know, we'd lost at home to Hayes. We'd lost at Yeovil. Um, I never won a cup game at Leicester either. So um, yeah. We almost lost at Lee, didn't we? Do you remember them? We really lost to Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it hadn't been kind to me. But that uh, that was my FA Cup day. So, um, yeah, it was enjoyable. To be fair, that season, we had good cup run in both cups, didn't we? We beat Southampton in both. We got to yeah, go to Wanfield and um, Old Trafford. Yeah, I think that shows you sort of um, how good a team we, we had. I mean, if you look back now at the names, and that, that was in, what is, was it you now, League One, I think? Yeah, League One. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, it's a bit like when you look back at our team that won the championship team under Tigana. I mean, that what a team that is. So, again, all credit to Mr. Al-Fayed. He moved the club on, got us through the divisions and, and to the Premier League. So, uh, those years under Mr. Al-Fayed were just fantastic. Yeah, they certainly were. What would be your highlight of the Keegan promotion? Um, probably yeah, Kevin leaving to go to England two days before the last game of the season. And uh, the chairman, Mr. Alfred, coming down to the training ground and uh, just addressing all the players and saying, don't worry, lads, I still love you. I'm not leaving you. And, um, <laughs> in his own inimitable style. And then the fact that we beat Preston on the last day but the fans didn't let the fact that Kevin was going to England get in the way and they had, they had a, a great day saw us lift a trophy and a great way to finish the, a fantastic season So what was your relationship with Keegan like then? Um, I think we were both wary of each other at the start In what way? Because I had been the captain the leader of the, the team if you like he knew that I was popular with the fans, so he had to treat me carefully. And he knew also that I wasn't particularly happy about the way things had been done. The fact that you know all my all my teammates who we'd just been celebrating with a few months were would not be treated particularly great, and we'd been moved on. So wary to start with, but then we got very respectful um, as we, as we went through and. I think begrudgingly he had to select me at the start, but when we kept winning and kept keeping clean sheets, I think he realised that you know he, he was onto a good thing and he got got us promoted and he got in the England job, so he can't complain too much, can he? We we all did all right in the end. Well, so you've spoken about Al Fired quite a lot. Um Yeah. What's your best memories of Al Fired? Would it be that time when he come down and, and reassured you that he still loved you? Uh, that, that's probably my favourite, yeah. Uh, but there were other team meetings he had. Well, there weren't really meetings. He'd just walk in and, you know, use the same old jokes that he always used. And um, just, he, he's just a, a fantastic man to have around the place. Uh, great leader, great owner. Lo loved the boys, loved the club, uh, loved his walkabouts at the cottage before the game. The, the crowd loved him. 
Um, you know, bringing people like Michael Jackson to the cottage. I mean, it's you just look back now and it's just totally surreal. Yeah, what was that like meeting Michael Jackson? Well, we, we'd heard that he was going to bring Michael Jackson to the game, and we were like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course he is. So he's taken him around the pitch before the game, they've watched it, and then he's brought us into brought him in to see the lads after the game, just as we're getting out of the showers. So obviously the chairman's cracked a, a funny about you know hiding various parts of your body, and then <laughs> Michael Jackson's walked in. So um, what do you do? It's bizarre. Surreal, but um, just was it a thriller? The world of the world of Al Fayed. It wasn't a thriller, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, where'd you go from there, Michael Jackson? You uh, you well, thrown me there. Yeah, he built, well, it's because right, he brought Tony Curtis in a few weeks later, and the, like, the lads were not impressed. Underwhelming, like Tony yeah. Curtis. <laughs> yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you personally had a, a, an unbelievable return for goals. Uh, as a defender, especially in the two promotion seasons, so it wasn't just you know you defending that played a big part. You you contributed massively with goals. What was the secret? Well, one of the secrets was I played in midfield in the the first promotion, so that helps come a bit closer to goal. Um, but the, the the season we went up under Kevin, where me, Chris, and Kit scored so many goals, was you got to remember we had. Chris and Kit, and then we had Jeff Horsfield as well. So their best, the opposition's three best markers would always mark them three. And it's very rare in that division for for them to have a sort of a fourth header of the ball that could um, that could mark me. So I was always a big advantage for me because all the emphasis and the focus on the opposition would be to to Jeff, Chris, and Kit. And most of the time, I was left either against a really small opponent or completely free. But again, Frank Sibley, we used to work long and hard on set pieces with Steve Haywood, and um, we got the benefit because it, it did win us a set pieces, won us a lot of games that season. Which position would you say you preferred then? Would you prefer midfield or centre back? Oh no, sweeper, playing between Chris and Kit, because. They never missed a header. They never missed a tackle. So I, I used to go through a lot of games without touching the ball. It's great. You have to run around too much in midfield. All right. Good stuff so far. Good stuff. Still so much to ask you. I mean, <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. What are we going to do, eh? Where next? Well, you tell me. I've got so many questions. I've lost where I was. That's all right. What, what, what's your memories of Jimmy Hill as chairman? Um... Jimmy Hill was, was always, always supportive. He always had a, always had an opinion. Would always love to talk football and try and get you to do your best. And then he actually took over as manager. And again, this is one for the Fulham historians. I can't remember which season it was, but we were struggling as ever. I don't know if it was after Alan Dix gone or Don Mackay, but Jimmy came in and started taking the training. So. Of course, first day he came out in a tracksuit straight from the seventies, and he had shoes on with the tracksuit. Oh so, no! So that didn't start well. But he said, "Right, we're going back to basics," and we actually went back to basics for taking throw-ins. How to take throw-ins, proper throw-ins, without doing a foul throw. It was literally that level of basic. And uh, he did a bit of defensive organisation, and we went that weekend and drew nil-nil away at Bradford, and. Um, I had a lot of respect for, for what he'd done. Perhaps not what he wore, but um, oh, I had a lot of respect for, for him stepping into the breach and, um, and organising the, the team to, to go and get a result like that. So, But again, a man who did a lot for Fulham, so should be held in high esteem by the supporters. Absolutely, 100%. Right, so touched on Keegan. We're moving on to Bracewell's era now, but before we get there, you have to pick... Which promotion season was more enjoyable? Keegan's oh, that's or Adams? Oh, you've got, all brilliant. You've got to pick. You've got to. Well, I mean, obviously I'm going to pick the, the Mickey Adams season. Yeah? Um, yeah, but, and the reason is because that was against the odds. All right, yeah. I mean, and... the, the Keegan season, we, we should have always, and the Tigana season, the, those teams should always get promotion because they were that good, but still fantastic seasons. And... Um, uh, just Mickey's pips it though. 
Well, I've I've always associated the Keegan promotion as middle promotion syndrome, a bit like um, middle child syndrome, where the middle one sort of gets forgotten, and the Mickey Adams <laughs> one was obviously it's the first one, it's the the one that it come out of nowhere, so everyone always loves it, and the Tikana one was you know the baby, and the, the one that finished off the job. So I've always felt that the Keegan promotion out of the three was the one that gets forgotten, gets left behind because it was in between. Fair point. Good way of looking at it. Still a great year, though. Oh, it certainly was. Uh, I'm not saying that it's justified. I think um, I think it gets short-changed is, what, is the way I was going with it. It wasn't um, that I think it yeah. should be left behind. But you went with Mickey Adams, and I think most fans would agree with you on that. Um, yeah. So, Paul Bracewell, was you surprised... No, um, always got on really well with Brace. I think the, the fans will always remember him as, as Dower. And we had a lot of nil-nils that season, didn't we? It was a bit turgid, some of the games. Yeah, didn't we but draw wait, like wait. the whole of December was nil-nils? Something like yeah. that. <laughs> Great to watch, weren't they? <laughs> um, I think the fans will always remember it as, as being a bit turgid, but... What I would say in Brace's defence and in defence of the team is that we'd just gone up, so it was up, up a division. There was still huge expectation on us, but perhaps we didn't quite have the, the ability in the squad to be able to, to go and, and get automatic promotion or into the playoffs straight off that season. I think that's the way it turned out. I mean, we had a couple of great cup nights, the Spurs one in particular um, at the Cottage, we never really scored enough goals. And then if you think about what sort of happened during the, the transfer window to under Jean Tigana and then the team that kicked off the, the following season that eventually got promoted, I think it just had a little bit more flair, a little bit more quality in it than, than the team we had that season. But no, Brace supported us. You know, I think the fans a bit unfairly saw the signing of Kevin Ball as um, a bit negative. But at the time... Actually, having someone like Borley in the dressing room was probably the right thing. Um, it's, it's just it didn't that wasn't really reflected on the pitch in our results. So uh, probably a, an important season, stepping stone for the club. I think it was just after we we knew we couldn't get in the playoffs, and so they made the decision to move Brace on and install Jean for the start of the following season. Under Brace, did I mean I, I spoke to Neil Smith and he said that he had a chat with Bracewell and he was basically told you've got to move on because I'm bringing in Lee Clark to replace you. Did you ever have that kind of conversation at Fulham? Uh, I'm guessing when Andy Melville was signed, did you see him as your replacement? Was you ever warned this is it for you? Um, never warned. No, I knew they were looking, and I mean Mel, good player, good lad. Again, great lad to have around the dressing room. Uh, got on great, so never saw him as an as an individual threat. We'd just gone up a division, so we needed a bit more strength in depth. But Brace was always open, and it's down to you guys, you know, and form as to as to who plays. So obviously, he then gave Mel the number four shirt, and I got the fourteen. So I think that was writing on the wall a bit. Kit was suspended for the first game of the season, so I started the season and probably played more than. People expected me to that season. But, no, we needed Melv additional uh, strength back five because Brace had said he wanted to, to continue playing that the style of three three centre-halves. So that suited all of us. And we continued to keep the clean sheets. So, again, we must have done something right. It's just we didn't quite have enough going forward. So Tigana comes in. What was your relationship like with him? It was brilliant. Um, unfortunately, I'd been struggling with, uh, with my knee towards the end of that season, so I knew I'd have to have a, an op in the summer. As soon as we, we knew we wouldn't, weren't going up, um, Jean said, we well, might as well get it done now. So I, I had the op done. I was probably about two weeks behind everyone else in pre-season, so I was never going to be right for the, for the start of the season. But then I think it was probably about the last week before the season started. I was in training and um, was tackled by a, by a goalkeeper and snapped my cruise ship. So I knew that would be it for most of that season. But Jean was great. He told me to go away on holiday straight away. And then when I got back, he got his fitness coach 
to work with me and he got me fitter than I've ever been in my life. And that was why I got 10 minutes at the end of the Wolves game at the end of the season. And obviously, you know, getting those 10 minutes and, and then uh, Diddy Hamilton announcing that you were the man in the match and the crowd, you know, uh, giving you a big, a big cheer. That must have meant a lot because it must have been so hard being out injured all that time. And, you know, I just think it was testament to you that although we'd gone up in style again and, and sort of moved on, you hadn't been forgotten. You were still very much part of it. It must have been a special feeling. It was great because um, Jean always made sure I was OK, was always asking what I was doing and then was always giving this bait of, do you want to play, do you want to play? So you've got to get fit. So it was brilliant with me. The lads were fantastic as well. And obviously the, the way they played that season, I mean, the, the football they played was just brilliant. And they, you know, they virtually won the league by Christmas. So it actually wasn't as bad being as injured that, that year because I knew I'd never have played anyway, even if I had been fit. So it was a joy to go along to the games and watch them. Went to a lot of away games as well that season. And it was brilliant. Um, and the other thing was that I was on a promotion bonus, so that helped as well. <laughs> so... But then they got promoted and then constantly going on at the, um, at the fitness guy, telling him, I'm, I'm fit, I'm ready, tell the boss I can play, tell the boss I can play. And in the end, he called me in and said, I'm going to put your sub against Wolves and um, hopefully we'll get you on for a bit. So that's what happened. And it's just brilliant, great response from the, from the fans. Very special evening. And it meant that at least I could uh, say I played a part in another promotion season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it, it suddenly dawned on me uh, when I was going through your career and, and thinking of my questions that, well, obviously with hindsight, it's different, but it would have been so nice when the fixtures were released in the June and it came out that Old Trafford away was our very first Premier League game. Even if it was only for like the last five minutes, it would have been unbelievable to have you come on in, in the Theatre of Dreams, sort of completing the journey, if you like. I mean... Do you, yeah, have you ever it, thought of I, it that way? No, because that 10 minutes against Wolves was completing the dream, if you like. It was a fantastic gesture from the manager. But we already knew that I wouldn't be at the club the season after as a player. And I'd already worked at doing a degree while I was a player to go into a job after. So we were talking, it was never going to be as a playing contract at Fulham. It was, do you want to go and play somewhere else for a year and then come back? Or do you want to go straight into working behind the scenes? So I, I always knew... So the, the 10 minutes against Wolves was brilliant. And, of course, you've got Sean, who, who did the job of playing in all four divisions. So that's brilliant. Fantastic. Um, and I went off and had a fantastic year at Brighton and then come back. So it all worked out great for everyone. Yeah, that is quite a weird coincidence with Sean Davis. Your careers were sort of back to front. He only played one game in the Mickey Adams season. Yeah. And you only played one game in the Tagana season. But yeah. you both played a part in three promotions. Reverse way round. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's—I mean, Sean came. You could see from, from very early. That's why Mickey gave him a chance early. What a good player he was going to be. And again, you know, but for injuries, who knows what heights Sean could have hit during his his career? Because he was a he was a fantastic midfield player. Well, if he didn't go to Tottenham. <laughs> no, it's alright, I'm over it, I'm over it. Right, um, so what was your favourite match over your whole career at Fulham? Oh, blimey. I don't know if I got one. Carlisle would be up there, uh, Villa would be, be up there, obviously. Uh, Preston at home, because that's the day we lifted the trophy, that would be up there. I'd probably say Carlisle, just... That was tense, that was. That was tense. Was, didn't, didn't know <laughs> what way you were time, going with that. <laughs> it took a long time. There's a load more I can throw in as well, though, so it's a bit unfair. It's, That's it, unfair, that question. Do you, know, do you know what's a liberty that I, I'll put you on the spot? I should have warned you about that, so you could have thought about it. Uh, I'm an ex-footballer. I need thinking time. Nah, you went with instinct, so that's, that's normally the best way. Right. <laughs> what about your favourite goal? Oh, well, that's what I can say, Villa. For that one, then can't I? Oh, I think so. I think so. I'd say Villa for that. Although I, I did, uh, I did enjoy one I scored down at Plymouth against Peter Shilton in the last minute that we uh, that got us a, a draw. I think. Well, but yeah, I'll, I'll go Villa. Was that the novelty of scoring against Peter Shilton? Absolutely. Yeah. And the fact that it was last minute and at the Fulham end, so 
that's why. Well, okay. <laughs> it all counts, you know. <laughs> it certainly does. Well, 420 appearances, 56 goals, and you were injured for your testimonial. I mean... Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> can't, of yeah. course I was. Well, of course, as you do. Career. That must have been weird. Uh, but again, I, I'd, know, I'd known all along that I, I wasn't going to be fit because um, I'd had the, the operation uh, prior to that and it was sort of what they found was a bit worse than, than they expected. So I was never going to be fit. Um, so again, it probably gave it more of a feeling of a proper pre-season friendly. And um, remember, I think that was the first sign everyone had of Tigana's team and how good they they looked and how good they were going to be. So um, just a, a, a great evening, though. Um, Spurs made it very special for me, so it was, uh, it was fantastic. Oh, nice. Right, I've done a few of these with your ex-teammates and I would say unanimously, the title for the biggest Mona goes to Simon Morgan. Now, oh, thank you. I accept with pleasure. Is that justified? Yes. Moaning for the sake of um, it, or or do you think moaning for a reason? Always moaning for a reason. Always moaning for a reason. But I did get less moany the more we started winning. So I will say that in my defence. Um, but, yeah, I could get very moany. And the referees said I got moany at them as well, so... Yeah, moaning and miserable at times. I have to hold my hand up to that. Who was the best player that you played with at Fulham? Who was the best player? Well, I think it's got to be Steve Finnan, I would say. Good answer. I could, yeah, uh, Chris Coleman right up there. And obviously, because I played those 10 minutes against Wolves, I can say Louis Sahar. (laughs) Um, but I, I think uh, I think technically I think Finns was was brilliant. So we're going with Steve Finham. Yes. Who of course went on to win the Champions League. Correct. There and, you go, Champions League winner. Uh, and he's the only Fulham player to be voted in the. Is it the PFL Team of the Year? Oh, is he? Is that a fact? Yeah. What's it called? The the Premier League players. PFA Team of the Year. PF, yeah, when I say PFL, PFA Team of the Year, yeah, he was voted as the right back in our first season. Is it, is it the yeah, only that's how good player. he was. That's how good he was, yeah. Well, well um, who were your closest friends? Uh, Robbie Herrera. Yeah. Um, and Mark Walton during, the, during those times, I think. Definitely. And then there was a bit of a, bit of a central defenders union. The, sort of the, the further we got up the leagues, the Cookie and Kit and Mel, uh, yeah, certainly Robbie and uh, and Mark Walton. And do you keep in touch with anyone? Yeah, just had a text with uh, text messages with Robbie yesterday, actually. So, yeah, very much so. There's a lot of acquaintances that you keep passing during your uh, during the years, and while you go to games and that. So there's plenty of people you see, but um, they're the ones that I keep in touch with most. Oh, nice. And you wrote a book called On Song for Promotion about the 96-97 season. Yeah, it's available in no bookshops whatsoever. <laughs> Come on, plug it, plug it. Where, where is it? <laughs> it's, it's in a warehouse. It's all Fulham fans know Dave Gardner. Give Dave Gardner a shout and he'll empty the warehouse of, of leftover books. Yeah, it was, it was a special year and quite a few people actually said you should put it in print. So I did. So there you go. It's keeping my fridge even in the kitchen. <laughs> Any plans for an autobiography? Absolutely none whatsoever. Oh, you should do one. No, be- no. The good bits that had to be taken out of my other book, unfortunately, just showed you that yeah, you've got to be careful what you put in print these days. So okay. No more. <laughs> I've only got a couple more questions for you. Okay. What are you up to now? Now I am Premier League Head of Football Relations which means um, I'm responsible for the administration and delivery of the 308 matches in the Premier League every season in terms of what happens on the pitch. And I'm also on the director of the PGMO referees. So anything that's happening on the field basically comes under my remit. I have to watch a lot of football and talk a lot about football. So that suits me. Now I'm very happy where I am at the moment. Well, good luck with it. Thank you very much. 
Well, last question. We always finish with this one. Pie or pasty? Pie. Gotta be a pie. Go on, what one? Steak and kidney. Or chicken and mushroom for me. But um With a bovril. <laughs> with a bovril. Well you certainly get yes. that down at the cottage. Hundred percent. You get it St Andrews as well. They are. <laughs> Alright, and well I mean I'll finish on this. Um, I don't know if David Lloyd mentions it to you because he, he did pull me up on it and say that I forgot to say to you at the two fifth book launch. Because I was born about 30 days after the issue one was released in 1988, he asked me to write the top 30 greatest players in two fifth history. And I wrote you as my number one. Because for me, you epitomise what Fulham are about. Um, it's not just about who you are before you arrive. It's it's what you become and you know who you are as a person. And for me, you are Mr. Fulham. Wow, number one, eh? Number one. Who's who's second? Breda Hangeland was second. And Lewis Hart oh, was see. third, I think. Ah, uh, right. But wow. there's only one How Simon the hell have Morgan. I got to number one. You're just everything. You know, the, all the highs, all the lows, the, the grit and determination, doing it for the right reasons. I think you just sum up what Fulham are. So it's, it's been an absolute honour to speak to you. Thank you very much. An honour for you to have me on and uh, come on Fulham. Yeah, you take care and hopefully I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, thanks a lot. Thank you, Simon. Take care, Cheers. bye. Cheers, bye. Simon Morgan there talking about his time at Fulham. I'd like to thank Simon for taking the time to speak to me and I wish him all the best with the rest of his career. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter for updates when the latest Q&As will be released. There's loads more to come in the future and you can also subscribe via iTunes, Spotify and all your favourite podcast apps. But until the next one, my name's Danny Boy. Really hope you enjoyed this one and thank you very much for listening.